Lord, there's only one name that we wish to lift up, and that is your name, Jesus. Lord, we reverence you. Lord, we thank you that you came to us. Lord, you met us at our lowest point. And Lord, today we are so thankful as a company of people that you found us, you saved us, you rescued us, you've restored us. Lord, today we ask, Lord, that you would just open our ears and our hearts to receive from you. Lord, you do, you do what you would have done in this place. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us so beautifully into the presence of God today. You know, and just moving on, really, I suppose, from a statement that re as I got up on stage today and I saw, you know, when we said, ready for the unexpected, it hit my heart. It hit my heart. Are we ready for the unexpected? God says that we, he is going to do the unexpected in our lives. You know, and I was just taken back to a situation that took place probably about two weeks ago as I was driving down from the lovely valleys of Pontypool, where the promised land is, over into Newport, okay? And I was driving, and I was just about to approach the roundabout by the new Sainsbury's. You know, the one where you can get onto the motorway. And all of a sudden, this police motorbike drove, and it blocked the two roads. So I'm coming from Pontypool, and it stopped in between the two lanes, and it went like that, and its light was going. And we were just there, and I started getting a bit scared, because you know you're thinking, well, what's happening on the other side? Is everything okay? And I just started praying, because I'm like, is there an accident? And then with that, another motorcycle came whizzing around the roundabout. It went a few foot, um, just a few feet in front and went like that. And then I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus. And then you're just praying more. And then another one came, and it started spinning fast, fast, fast down the slip road of the motorway. And I'm like, Jesus, what is going on? And and then are just praying and then a few moments later another one and another one and another one and then this car came shooting around the roundabout with blacked out windows followed by another convoy of about five or six police and um, police motorbikes and then it was gone and I was sat there it's probably two or three um, two or three cars from the junction and I was sat there and of course, my emotions by that point were all over the place because I thought something really bad had happened. I'm praying. And then I realized, do you know what that was all about? That was all about making sure I didn't get close to the person that was in that car. And just there in that moment, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I'm not like that, Faye. You know, the world does this. Do you want to just put up the PowerPoint, actually? I had a look. Who remembers when we hosted NATO? Okay, so this is what happens when world leaders congregate in our world. We have tanks on the Celtic Manor golf course. We have fighter jets. 
We have, see all of those police bikes? They were doing a circumference of the area. We have army officials dispatched in Cardiff and everywhere. Dave was out on his motorbike, and not his motorbike. He drives it like a motorbike. He's very good and very fit, and I'm like this lagging behind him with a sore bum whenever we go on a bike. But Dave was up on the mountain during that time on his mountain bike, should I say, and he said, Faye, do you know what was happening? There were planes circling the whole time when he was there. He said, cool, you knew something was going on. There's planes. Okay? Now, that's what happens when the world has somebody important they want to protect, somebody important they want to bring. And I literally broke down into tears when the Holy Spirit just reminded me so gently. And he said, I'm not like that, Faye. I never go like this. You never have to join the back of the queue. I'll never be the one that says, don't come any closer. You know, sometimes we think that the way that the world does stuff is the way that our God does stuff. And I want to encourage you today, if you maybe felt that like you needed to, you know, find God in a certain way or you had to do a number of things to get close, God says, no, that's all finished with. Do you know what? And I was just thinking, expect the unexpected. You know, if you look in the Old Testament when God wants something to be done, you look at Noah having to build the ark. You look about when the temple was built. You look about when the Ark of the Covenant was designed. God was so prescriptive, wasn't he, in the way that he wanted things done. Use this wood. Get it from this location. Make it this long. Do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. Because this is how I want it prescribed. I want it just so. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. And you know, I was just thinking yesterday... You'd think on the arrival of his son, you'd think there'd be like a little handbook, wouldn't you? Or you'd think there'd be a job spec handed to Mary and Joseph. Because if you look back in the Old Testament, it wouldn't have been uncommon or unreasonable for us to think at the coming of the son, his son, the Messiah, if he was that diligent and that prescriptive of saying, you do this, you make this, you use this word, this is how you do it, you don't do this. the pre You know, there was so many things. But when it comes to his son, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Just because God's done stuff like that before, it doesn't mean he has to do it now. And you know, and coming, bringing it to here and now, just because God's done things a certain way over time and history and maybe in church, don't mean that he's going to do it now like this. So expect the unexpected. You know, and this morning, I want to share with you, as we lead up to Christmas, all about the Christmas story. Because I think in the midst of the Christmas story, there is so much that we can take, we can be encouraged by, our minds can be opened by, and all in relation to expect the unexpected, and all in relation to my ways are not your ways. That's what God says. His ways are not our ways. We prepare for a dignitary like the screen showed with the tanks and the planes and the motorcade and the army. And God, when he sent his son, 
He didn't even have a house to go in. You know, I was just thinking, there wasn't even a cleaning party there, ready to get them. Yeah, the stable looking good. Do you know what? You know, when we have guests over, I mean, I'm getting a bit better domesticated. Can I just say, I've now established a little cleaning rotor for myself. So I now get up at 6.30 in the morning, not because I want to, but because I realized if I don't, I'm not gonna get out of the house. But while Dave's preparing breakfast and doing the kids' lunches, I'm there with my little anti-back wipes cleaning the toilets and putting the little plunging thing. I'm getting good. But I was just thinking, do you know what? Especially because I've just moved and so people are coming to visit us. And of course, I want them to see the, what the house you know, can look like, so I'm cleaning. But I thought, do you know what? When Jesus was born, he sent no prior party. He wasn't even interested that there would be a house ready for his son. There was no nothing. Nothing. Okay, and we're going to pick up and I just want to encourage you, because God can do anything. Your circumstances may look really unexciting, a bit like the arrival of Jesus, where there's no one waiting for him. You may think, do you know what? I go through my life and no one's waiting for me. You may say, I don't even get anybody ring me and ask me, are you okay when they haven't seen me for 10 days? You may feel as if, what is the point? I'm the lowest of the low. No one even cares that I'm here. Nobody even knows that I'm here. Is there any point? And I just want to encourage you, if you feel like no one's waiting for you, well, you are right rocking it up next to Jesus because he had to come from the splendor of heaven with this path paved with gold. And he had to go in with all the sheep and the cows and nobody was there to say, he's here, he's here. It was just really bare. And God says, listen, I can do anything. And do you know what? Sometimes he gets us to that place of feeling like that because then he shows us how wonderfully marvelous he is. So we're going to start reading today. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And we're going to read a whole lot of scripture today based from Luke and from Matthew. And it's all in relation to the Christmas story. So pin your ears back and you look at the screens as I read. And it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. I'm just going to stop there. Dave's mentioned it before, but does anyone know what Nazareth is? Nazareth was the place where people said nothing good can come from it. So you know, if you lived in Nazareth, it's probably like a bit like living in Newport. You know, it's not like living in Kensington. You know, if, if you said to people, where do you have the choice? You can live in Kensington and Chelsea or you can live in Pill. Your choice. You know, most people would say, well, if I'm going to do anything, I'll go to London. I'll go to the nice posh part. You know, I don't really want to be hanging around in Newport. So Jesus or an angel sent from God decides that he's going to go to the place that nowhere wants to go to a place called Nazareth, which has a reputation for nothing good coming from it. And it says, he went to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, we just got to get it straight here. Like Mary is going about her everyday life in pill. 
There's nobody like coming. She's got no handmaidens helping her. Nobody is kind of saying, oh, Mary, oh, Mary, you are wonderful. But God comes through an angel and proclaims over her, Mary, highly favored woman. And so today I want to encourage you. You may not have a husband, a wife, a friend, or anybody speaking good things over you, saying good things about your life, but actually I want to encourage you, it really doesn't matter. Because what matters is who's speaking. And God only ever speaks good things over you. So he comes to Mary and says, highly favored woman. And he would speak to you today in King's Church and say, highly favored man or woman. You know, because God only declares good things over us. You can look back through the Bible and you never see him putting us down. He says, you're more than a conqueror. He says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He says, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. He said, if I go before you, who can, if God is for you, who can be against you? So I want to encourage you today. If you've been labeled by people this week, last month, this year, or you've been put down all your life and people have labeled you things, I want to just say, let's draw a line in the sand and from now on, as we go into 2018, there's one label that you need to remember, and that is highly favored one. Okay, you are highly favored. So don't let anybody tell you that you're not good enough. Because God goes to the places no one will go, and he goes to the people without reputation and says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So this year when we expect the unexpected, he can use any one of us. It's not about the pulpit. It's not about the pulpit, and it's not about the person behind the pulpit or the person you see on Christian TV. It's about you and I with the same label that he places on whole humanity, highly favored, dearly loved ones, okay? And it says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean, like you would. You would, like, hello, angels coming to you, and you're like this little, a girl, young teenager, getting ready to get married, going about your daily business. And the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and we, he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? How can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. See, he's got nothing to do about you. It's all about the one who gives the power to do. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the God will never fail. Okay, let's just stop on that one. The word of God will never fail. 
The word of God will never fail. If you are holding on to the promise of God, know today that the word of God will never fail. I don't know what word you're holding in your heart. I don't know what dream you felt birthed from God. I don't know, but I do know this. Despite what may or may not happen, what you think is maybe not happening, the good of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. Can we say that? The word of God will never fail. So when you feel like you're losing hope and you feel like the situation is not going well, we can be encouraged that it says the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. That's a pretty awesome response from Mary there, if we just stop there a second. Okay, so there's this girl in the place that no one wants to go, just minding her own business, and an angel comes and says that he wants her to give birth to the Son of God. And that's about it. It's maybe what, a one-minute conversation? So in a one-minute conversation, God, through an angel, sends a message about how he's going to turn a girl's life upside down. And you know what Mary says, despite the lack of detail, despite the job spec, despite the business plan, despite the forecasting that we, we like to have, well, tell me where I'll be in five years then, Lord. No, there was nothing. It was literally, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to conceive a baby. He's going to be called God, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. And Mary, she says yes. But she just doesn't say yes. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. God is not a respecter of people. He's a respecter of faith. Okay? He's not interested in who we think we are and what we think we have to offer. He's just interested in the time that he comes to us. And maybe, you know, for Mary it was an angelic invitation. At the time. It's in those moments that God is not looking about who you are. He's looking to engage in some faith. He's looking for some faith. So as we come maybe to expect the unexpected this year, he's not going to give you the blueprint. He may. He may. Actually, it's wrong of me to say he's not going to. He may give you the blueprint. But he may not. Because God is God and he can do what he wants. Sometimes he gives the blueprint. Other times he doesn't. But the important thing is, in whatever he says, to say yes. To say yes. Say, I am the Lord's servant. You know, a servant just does what the master says. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Be it done unto me according, um, be it done unto me. May everything that you've said come true. And the angel left her. So then we're going to jump over to Matthew 1.18. And this is when the angel appears to Joseph. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to um, to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break 
the engagement quietly. All right, okay. So saying yes to God means that perhaps it isn't going to be that favorable for us sometimes. You know, when Mary said yes to God, you would think if God was speaking to you about a plan for your life, that you are only going to be skipping through a field of roses from there on in. Did she have any idea that by saying yes to God that her fiancé would be saying, well, you know, I'll just break it off. I'll do it quietly, but I'm breaking this thing off. She's pregnant. She is pregnant, and the baby is not mine. I'll break it off. You know, Mary was about to face a whole lot of repercussions because of an act of faith in a living God. You know, her, if you were going to look on a like, little chart of what's her life going to go up, 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 up? No, she's about to landslide. She's about to go sliding down, you know. But thankfully, it says this. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you were to name him Jesus. For he will save the people from his sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet that said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took his wife Mary, or took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until after her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. We're going to jump back to Luke 2. And it says, at the time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Kukwakwa was governor of um, Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth to Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while, the, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Like, I just think that's a bit of an understated um, paragraph there. Um, you know, if like, I'm Mary, I, if I was writing this, it would be a bit more descriptive of exactly what was going on. It would talk about having to trek, heavily pregnant, you know, on a donkey. It's not easy when you're very pregnant, is it? Trekking in heat and whatever, trying to get to a place to have your baby and then find out that there's no room for you and that you're going to be in a cattle shed and that there's not going to be any nurse looking after you and wrapping, you know, doing any of it but anyway the bible doesn't say that just as well but i've just maybe told you what she was thinking and how a mother would be thinking i mean it's a bit underwhelming though let's I, you know i'll just say this now if god came to me and said i was going to give he was going to allow me to carry his son you know i would have liked a bit of the royal treatment <laughs> you know I, you know he's god you would think that like his son I mean, when we look at, like, you know, the Duchess of Cambridge, she gets to have the picture outside the hospital, doesn't she? Where she's all made up by beauticians and everything else, and she stands there in a brand-new outfit to show the world her baby. You know, I would kind of like that. I wouldn't think that would be out of place if I was going to hold the baby, the Son of God, in my arms. I think that would be okay. But do you know what? It was just really very underwhelming. 
You know, sometimes carrying the call of God is really underwhelming. And sometimes it means that your ego isn't going to get pumped up and you're not going to have people saying, oh, you're so amazing. Oh, you're so amazing. Oh, you're so amazing. Get over it. God's not looking to go, oh, you're so amazing. Oh, let's make sure everyone knows. No, he's not like that. It could be scrubbing the floors in the crash after a baby's just vomited and you're thinking, really, this is the call of God? This is highly exciting. Sorry, Kutch. It could be something else. Do you know what I mean? The call of God, we have an overinflated idea, I think, sometimes of this superstar calling and we get really discouraged when things don't get our own way. Take courage from Mary and Joseph. They went through it all and they're giving, you know, this is like probably the biggest thing that's happened to humanity and everyone has completely forgotten to even know about it. It's just like, okay. So then it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a whole vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the heaven and peace on earth to all and with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Can I just stop there? You know, like God, the God, the Messiah, the one who's come to take away the sins of the earth has just been born. And who's the first people that get to know about it? It's not royalty, it's not dignitaries, it's not the phone call on the little red phone, you know, from the president's white house, you know, it's none of that. You know who it was? It was the most despised of that time and day. You know, sh the shepherds were really despised in that culture. To be a shepherd was not like being a CEO, okay? It was like being scum. And when the birth of a savior gets born, who does God go to first? He doesn't go to the high and mighty. He goes to the low. He goes to the ones that are rejected. He goes to the ones that are scoffed at. It's just shepherds. Oh, they don't know thing. You know, people can be really nasty. Have you picked that out? You know, the whispers, people can look down and they can just look at you. And you know they're looking you down to make you feel like that. You know, but in this Christmas story, God... It says, expect the unexpected. I'm not going to go to the royalty first. I'm not going to go to the dignitaries. No, I'm going to go to the ones that everybody else laughs at and says, not going to be them. I'm going to go to them. And, it, and do you know what? They get to be the first preachers. Because it says, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. That means after they'd seen the baby, they went and told everybody. They got to be the first preachers. 
God did not go to the local Bible school in Jerusalem and say, right, let's send them in because the first preachers that I want are the Bible school men, the one that are versed in the, in the law. He says, no, I'm going to go to the shepherds that nobody cares about and doesn't even know anything, and I'm going to use them to declare me. So I want to encourage you again, if you're in this place and you feel what you've done has completely made you, in, you know, inusable, unusable to God, I want to just give you hope today. God will use the unusable. He'll use the ones, because he says he used those things that are low to confound the wise. He uses the foolish to confound the wise. And God used shepherds to be the first ones to preach. And then it says this, straight after, it says, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I thought about that. Mary heard what the shepherds were talking, and it says she says she kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. Why is that? You know, we forget that when we get to read this Christmas story, we know the end. We know all about all the different steps. Now, you've got to remember, God came through an angel to Mary once, and then he came to reassure Joseph through an angel once. And all they knew was that she was going to give birth to a son. They were to call him Jesus, and he was going to be the son of the Most High God. And to Joseph, he said, he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, it's a bit of a vague job description, but these young, faith-filled, I will do it, God, people said, I will do it. But that's why it says she kept all these things in her heart. She's getting to hear a bit more about the story. You know, as she's listening about what the shepherds are saying, she's like this. I didn't know that bit. And it says she pondered them often in her heart. And it says the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Eight days later, when the baby is circumcised, he was named Jesus, and the name given, the name given to him by an angel even before he, before he was conceived. I'm going to jump to verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of, the people, of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. There again, another piece, another piece of the puzzle that they didn't know about. They're listening to this old man prophesy, and they're like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And can I just say, be encouraged. You know, it says Simeon here was an old man. You know, so first he comes to the shepherds, the despised. Then he doesn't go to the strong next, but he goes to the old man. 
and he goes to him next. And he allows Simeon to be the one that gets to watch and witness God's love incarnate, the Messiah before his eyes. And I want to encourage you today, if you're here and you say, well, I'm not young and fit. And I feel as if my time is maybe like I've passed my prime. No, I want to be you to be encouraged because first of all, God goes to teenagers and say, you're going to be part of the master plan. You're going to have the baby. Then he goes to the shepherds, the despised ones, and says, do you know what? You're going to be the first ones. Next, he goes to the old man who's nearly dying and says, yeah, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. God has a master plan and he uses all of us. And then it says from there, it says, um, he was filled. And then it says this, um, they were then, yeah, yeah. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of your hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul. Okay, so the master plan at that point is beginning to show that perhaps it isn't all going to be about a bed of roses because sometimes the call isn't all about that. And then it says, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the table, and she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years, and then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night worshiping God and fast with fasting and prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who she had seen and had been waitingly expected for God to rescue Jerusalem. So there you go. It wasn't by chance that Anna was the next person. So we got the teenagers with the baby. We got the shepherds, the despised one in the flock. They get to be the first ones and the first preachers. Then we get the old man who gets to witness that Messiah has been born. And next God says, you know, we're going to bring the lady in on here. You know, in the, those days, women really weren't the ones that you would gather around to hear the news. It was all about the men. And it wasn't only that. She just wasn't a lady, but she was a widow. You know, there was no social system in those days to care. But, you know, the Bible says, look after the widows. Why? Because they were just left. But God, again, takes those that may have fallen by life in a really hard way. And he says, do you know what? You're going to be part of this. You're going to be part of this. And Anna gets to be the next preacher. So the shepherds are their first preachers. And then Anna gets to go out and tell everyone about the birth of Jesus. And then it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. There again, what was Bethlehem? Well, it says 
you won't be the least because I'm going to send a ruler will come from you. So what does that mean? Bethlehem was the least. Bethlehem was the insignificant place. If you're going to then, you know, you're going to go to Nazareth, the place that nothing good can come from. And then if a savior is going to be born, oh, we're not going to make it, you know, in London. We're not going to make it where everything's happening, the city to be at. No, we're going to go to the smallest city, the least. And we're going to cause a ruler to come from you who will be the shepherd for my people. I just think that's amazing. God, we know God is a shepherd and the first people he appears to is the shepherds. You know, God, Jesus is the one that looks after us. And I just love that the Bible is filling us with hope that in the most unlikely of circumstances, God breaks forth and is able to do amazing things. And it says, then Herod called for a meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them about the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. But he was lying, as we know. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star there, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it says, and when it was time to about leave, they returned to their country via another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. You know, the birth of Jesus is all about hope for humanity. It's all about hope. You know, he goes to the places that no one goes. He uses the people that others would pass by. He gravitates to the insignificant. But do you know what? In that, God did call the wise men. He did. You know, these wise men were rich. But do you know what I love? He never put them first on the pecking order, but he wanted them there. They were there. So if you're here today and say, well, Faye, I've never been on the lowest side of town. I've never had bad things said about me. Actually, I've probably had a really good life and things have gone well for me. And I really, you know, maybe I can't relate to some of the things you've said because I don't feel any of that. Well, that's okay because the Christmas message shows us that God includes all. And he included the wise men who were rich, you know, who God had blessed them with wisdom. And, and he, he uses them. But you know what I love? It talks about at the beginning when the shepherds come, they come and they behold the baby. But when the wise men come, they bow before him. God allows those who are disenfranchised to look up to him. And those who maybe are the strong bow down to worship him. You know, he exalts those who are low. And he makes sure that those who are strong can come in reverence, not in their own might and not because of who they are, but we can bow and bow before the king, bow before him in all that he has done. And it says this, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 
That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet when it said, I called my son out of Egypt. Again, as, as I finish, you know, we, and looking at the Christmas story, and that is the end of it. You know, when the wise men came, to lay gifts at the feet of baby Jesus. He wasn't a baby anymore. You know, they say, historians say, that Jesus was probably about three years old when they came to see him. And you know, that was three years of living a life in Bethlehem. You know, and we can tell that because it says in the scripture that the wise men entered the house. So Mary and Joseph aren't in a stable anymore. They've established their lives in Bethlehem where the baby was because that would fulfill the word of God, you know? And they, three years is a long time to establish yourself. And Mary and Joseph would be completely involved in the community in which they lived. Jesus would have grown up amongst the other children. And all of a sudden, you know, three years into having the Messiah, you know, the highly favored woman of God that the angel first declared is told, flee, flee for your life. Does that work out in a balance and measure? Highly favored one flee for your life? You know, if I was Mary, I'd be thinking, hang on, God. You are God. You put the stars into space. Why am I having to flee with your son? Surely you can, like, protect us with angels. Surely you can do something. Surely I don't have to leave all my friends that I've made. Surely I don't have to whisk Jesus away from all his little friends too. Joseph, who's established his carpentry business, surely you're not going to say, go it's hard going. It's hard leaving things. It's hard. I don't know where I'm going to a foreign land, Jesus. But do you know what? God did it that way. God did it that way. I don't know why God does the things that he does, but I know that today I want to encourage you, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. I don't know what the unexpected is for you. I don't know whether the yes or the no that you say, you know, saying yes to God, it could end you up in a whole landslide of stuff that perhaps seems so negative. But what I can tell you, if you want to reference, encourage, if you feel that you're in that time and that season and you feel that you've got a word from God and you feel as if all hell is letting loose, I want to encourage you. Because here through the Christmas story, as God impacts hope for humanity through the precious gift of Jesus, you see that it's not about the pomp and circumstance. You see, it's not about the lavish praises of the people around them, but it's about a few kids that say yes and put faith in a living God. And in the midst of sometimes unpleasant circumstances where they probably want to give in, they don't even know the full story. Let's remind ourselves they're still not knowing the full story. But they know now they're going to have high times and low times. They know that, you know, that things aren't going to go so well for them sometimes. That Jesus is going to be rejected. But yet they said yes. And they kept saying yes when the angel spoke and when God said get out. They didn't question. Sometimes I think we question too much. Sometimes we're like, well, why do we have to do that, God? Well, it's, why do we do that? Why can't we just be like, Mary, I'm the Lord's servant? Do to me, what, do whatever. But we're like, no, no, no. You know, we get the union rep in and think, come on now, let, let's battle this out. Do you know what? I think this year, this Christmas going on, I want to be like Mary. 
I want to be like her. But yes, sometimes God may come to me and it may not make sense. And I may not know what's about to unfurl before my eyes. And maybe I am going to end up in a negative circumstance or where people slating me and saying things against me and I'm fleeing. But I know that if God be for me, who can be against me? And if God says his word will never fail, then I'm going to trust and rely that God's word is never going to fail. Because God's word doesn't fail. So I want to encourage you today. God is going to do things in and through your lives. We're all at different levels, ages, stages of life. Some of us have been at the bottom. We're in the pit right now. And others of us have made it up from the pit and we're on the mountaintop. But whatever, wherever you find yourselves today, there is hope. The Christmas story brings hope to each one of us. So this year, at the end of this year, moving on, let's be like Mary. Let's be like the shepherds. Let's be like Simeon and Anna, the wise men. You know, we can be like all of them. All of them. And you know, we will be amazed. We're going to be amazed at what God's going to do. You know, because God's got one plan here. And it baffles me because I think, God, why did you leave it to us? Because we mess it up. I'm like, you just, could you have just like, left Jesus here a long time? Then it would all be okay. But God puts trust in you and me. Thank God he's God because I would never trust us. But he trusts us. And he puts trust in you and me. Not just to sing his praises, although he tells us to do it. But he puts trust in you and me to help build his church to help draw the lost home, to help diffuse the fragrance of Jesus wherever we go. So this Christmas, the message of Jesus, the message of hope is our responsibility because Jesus has done all that he said he would do. He came and he had to leave his life and let it go. He had to sacrifice himself for humanity. And now he says, and I pass the baton on to you. So let's not be the mopey, mumbling, grumbling Christians when things don't go right. Just let's remind ourselves that there are a whole lot of people before us have kind of gone on this journey, but actually at the end of the day, God is God and God makes a way. So today, God is going to do something. God is going to do something in your life. And in your, if you're here today and you say, Faye, you're talking about the, like, the Christmas story and about Jesus. I didn't even know Jesus came to die for somebody like me. Yeah, he did. You know, Jesus came on a rescue mission because he didn't want there to be a gap between us and God. He didn't want us to be separated from God and have to go through a whole bunch of rituals, which is what you see happening in the Old Testament. You know, there was a whole bunch of rituals that had to be followed in order for humanity to make a connection with God. And God's like, that's not what I want. So he sent Jesus to be the one so that we wouldn't have the motorcade say, no further, no further, don't come past, don't come past, important person here, don't come past, follow the protocol. He sent Jesus so that we could come before him. Boldly, actually. It says, come boldly. You know, we can walk straight up to him like a child would to a loving father. Say, hi. And he says he will do whatever he, he can for us. So if you're in this place today and say, Faye, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. 
I would count it such a privilege to pray a prayer with you. If you would just like to pray this after me and say, Jesus, I need you. I need a Savior to come and help guide me through life. I recognize that you have come to take away my sins, to bridge the gap between me and God. And Lord, I invite you in. Help me through life. You know, if you prayed that prayer, if you just want to slip up your hand right now, some of our team will be standing with a Bible, and it would be an awesome privilege for us to give you that. And if you're not ready to give the Bible right now, on the way out, there'll be somebody standing with a Bible, and you can do that. But why don't we stand right now, you know, and let's declare as we sing now, let's think about how we can be that Christmas story, how God, wherever we are in life, how God can use us to fulfill his promise. In Jesus' name.